Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. I'm pleased and honored to present this special episode of Sound Practice. What you are about to hear is a discussion on physician leadership by two of our country's top physician leaders. This is a rare opportunity to take a deep dive into the important topic of physician leadership. You won't want to miss what is next on Sound Practice. Peter Angood is the CEO and president of the American Association for Physician Leadership. Dr. Angood previously served as Chief Patient Safety Officer and Vice President for the Joint Commission. Dr. Angood's career has been focused upon developing leadership potential of physicians as a mechanism to advance patient care and public health. My second guest today is Jay Bott. Jay Bott is a nationally recognized physician leader. Dr. Bott served as Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of the American Hospital Association. Dr. Bott's career as a public health professional has focused upon the underserved and vulnerable populations. Dr. Bott currently is Director at Deloitte and is the Executive Director of Deloitte's Health Solutions and Health Equities Department. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on Sound Practice. So, Dr. Bott, the quote, man plans, God laughs, applies to many careers. Physicians go through a number of transitions in their career, and opportunities sometimes appear when least expected. How can physicians prepare for career changes? Well, thank you so much uh, for having me in this conversation and just really appreciate the leadership of uh, AAPL and Dr. Angood and the team. Uh, just been a joy to work with you, uh, uh, Peter, over the years and uh, really excited uh, for this conversation. So I think to the question, uh, coming from a physician background, it can be challenging to figure out if transitioning from practicing medicine to an administrative role is the right decision for you. But it's important to remember that moving into management means shifting your focus from individual patients to organization as a whole. And I would say that, you know, leadership is about a practice and not a role. And you're ex we're exercising as physicians, we're exercising leadership quite often uh, in uh, care delivery with teams. Um, and in fact, uh, I think clinicians um, think about uh, that experience in shadowing, uh, in working with other clinicians as they've been on the journey to become a, a physician. And so I think I would apply some of the same uh, actions. You Moving into a healthcare administration role means you can draw from your leadership skills as a physician and continue to help uh, not only your patients, but also provide quality care from an organizational and system level. And so I would shadow some uh, uh, leaders, take on a small project uh, at your organization or in your practice and uh, look at it from a system population lens. And, uh, you know, that experience uh, will help you prepare for sort of a career change. But I think you've got to come back and ask uh, the questions of um, you, what do you want to advance in healthcare uh, and how do you want to be a part of that? Um, and I think accessing your network. You know, there are a lot of physicians in, in your network over the years that may have um, changed jobs or, or gone into um, administration or policy 
for organizational uh, leadership and management opportunities. And uh, it'd be great to, to hear their experience. Dr. Angood, and, and really, I'm, I'll ask both of you this question, but let's start with Dr. Angood. What led you on the path to physician leadership? Was there a one catalyst that made you consider a transition to leadership or executive duties? Yes, uh, thank you, Michael. And, and you know, Jay's response there, I think, uh, was excellent in terms of uh, how we should think about uh, what we consider as leadership. And uh, again, Jay, it's, it's a privilege to have worked with you over the course of time. But as we know, uh, as we go through medical school and our training, uh, none of us get really any exposure to leadership or management skills. And uh, I often say, you know, that at some level, all physicians are leaders. And that's mainly because society looks at our profession as a lead profession. And so we have a responsibility to, um, uh, you know, develop our leadership and our management skills over time. And we each do that in different ways. Um, and as, as a first part of that, you have to recognize that you may have an aptitude for that. You don't necessarily always have to go into formal title roles, but most of us do in some fashion. And, and for me, I, I followed the clinical uh, trajectory of trauma surgery and surgical intensive care medicine, both of which are fairly systems oriented in order for them to function properly. And so as I got further into my career, I began to appreciate that, gosh, I need to know and learn more about systems and processes and how to create change if I'm gonna be able to effectively lead these types of uh, clinical enterprises. And um, yeah, for me in specific, there were a couple of clinical cases that wound up not having the best of outcomes because the systems and processes weren't supporting the efficiencies there. And that, that really bothered me on a personal level. It uh, clearly impacted the patient and their families. And so that was a nidus for me to say, you know, I, I've got to be able to develop my skills and my aptitudes and my uh, experience in order to help create those changes in the systems and processes. Dr. Bob, what about your journey to um, leadership? Can you tell us a little bit? Sure. Thanks, Michael. And I, I echo you know, some of the sentiments Peter had, particularly around uh, the system inefficiencies and that impact on uh, outcomes and experience. But for me, I grew up as a son of a pharmacist who worked on the south side of Chicago for most of his life. And so I got a front door view into the challenging uh, health issues that um, underserved communities faced uh, when we would make house calls uh, and deliver medications and when they'd show up at the clinic. Uh, and that uh, sparked my interest to, to ask questions uh, about why that was happening. Why are you know, my outcomes uh, and, our, and outcomes of others I see different than those that I'm meeting uh, in communities of, of uh, families and, and um, why they were struggling with some chronic diseases, cancer, and others. And I, so I, I held on to that over the course of my career. And when I was in college, uh, spent some time with uh, physicians that were looking at the health system uh, uh, in a systemic view, particularly with uh, one of my early mentors, Dr. David Meltzer, who was looking at the hospitalist movement uh, and uh, uh, as a way to uh, be uh, an opportunity to deliver better care at lower cost and manage kind of the growth of um, uh, HMOs that were happening in the environment. And so um, 
within that, as well as um, seeing how healthcare was still in the community at barbershops, meeting people where they were at so that they could be empowered to change their future uh, was really, uh, I think, a catalyst as well as, you know, another catalyst for me, um, my first year of training uh, in medical uh, uh, residency, where I uh, spent time taking care of a patient who had, uh, was an older woman who'd come in for chest pain and difficulty urinating. And she um, ended up uh, not having damage to her heart, improved her urination, but she had telemetry wires and a Foley catheter. Uh, and you know, because there were so many patients that day, we uh, did uh, the, the rounds and kept going. And then several hours later, it turns out that she tripped over the wires um, and fell um, and had an impact on her uh, hip, which um, had injury, then was sent to post-acute rehab, got an infection there, came back from rehab. And so the would have would have been an overnight in and out turned into a three-week ordeal. And so that caused me to think about, you know, what can we do as a system to improve uh, safety and quality? Led to a checklist to impact um, you know, when we use and don't use uh, uh, telemetry or, or Foley catheters and uh, when we use uh, clot prevention medicine or um, uh, ulcer prevention medicine. And uh, that was consistent, reliably you know, deployed and made an impact reducing adverse outcomes by 25% and, and saving um, money to the, to the system, but most importantly, suffering for patients. And so uh, I think that was really another catalyst to, for me to, to launch into a system career and quality and safety and we sort of started to organize um, as a team within the residency on these issues at a system level and that's really continued for me over the course of the years and I know that you know, policy has such an impact on how we implement and deliver care and so it's important for me to to have a, a perspective on that so I spent time on Capitol Hill uh, and certainly um, over the course of my work um, in public health and uh, hospitals and health systems, as well as in health plans, you know, I've been able to use my skills uh, as a physician uh, and leadership um, and management, which I felt I did just with patients we were caring for, but sort of take it to the next level. Um, and so I've been fortunate and grateful uh, to have these, these experiences and mentors and teammates along the way that have helped uh, me learn and get better uh, at leadership and management. You know, though, Jay, it, it's interesting. Uh, both our trajectories have been uh, different, obviously, but it, we both have been uh, fortunate in being able to experience some of that higher level um, impact of the on the industry by policy and whatnot. And part of my trajectory included uh, time at the Joint Commission National Quality Forum. You've had your own high level stuff. And yet I think we both appreciate there's this gap oftentimes between that policy development and the implementation versus what's still <clears throat> going on in the front line. So for those who are listening, um, you know, it's important to recognize that as you aspire to different types of leadership roles, um, <clears throat> the policy stuff isn't always going to solve all the answers. And so we always, as physicians, need to be looking at how do we bridge that gap between whether it's policy, accreditation, payer communities, et cetera, et cetera, and the front line. And I, I think both of you and I have done that quite well over the course of time. But uh, for those listening, I think that's an important recognition that there is this gap out there. I agree, Peter. That's that's so important and well said. I think that's part of why it's so important for physicians to 
provide their voice of, of experience from the front lines to help bridge that gap and to help uh, the policymakers and stakeholders understand you know, the unintended consequences of policy and the challenges in implementing policy and too many measures uh, that might be asked for, which you know we know can contribute to burnout. Uh, so I, I think that uh, uh, this is a really important, I think, opportunity for us to, to bridge that gap. Very good uh, points from from both of you, Doctor. But you, in your your first answer, you explicitly um, mentioned networks, and and I'm interested in uh, networks. How should physicians best grow their um, networks? Is this something through social media, clinical organizations, state medical societies? What what are your suggestions? I think about. Uh, uh, building relationships is, you know, an opportunity to um, look at your own experience and skills through a different lens. Um, because the people you come across in in having some of these conversations and building relationships help, uh, you know, you see a, a, a different view. And for me, I I think that that was such an important catalyst early in my career. I um, spent a lot of time talking to physicians that were engaged in different um, areas of healthcare delivery, life sciences, technology. And that really helped me broaden my view uh, about the healthcare system. And I think the other thing is uh, that, that we, are, we also have to think about language. So we were oriented and anchored in a particular language as we were trained in medical school and residency. But if you wanna switch careers or you know, broaden your scope uh, you've got you know, you got a, a come out of that shell. And part of doing that means talking to other people that can help you think about the, the language and experiences differently. So it's not one or another, it's finding the mediums that work best for you. For some people that may be going to conferences and having the conversation and listening to uh, uh, talks and being in work groups uh, there. It might be for some contacting strangers on physician social media sites on career change sites, in person. Uh, and for some that might feel hard. Uh, and and it's really, um, I think if you look at it from, I'm build, building relationships so I can better contribute to changing healthcare, um, that reframe I think is important. And, and we've already done this in our life and successfully, right? We are pre-med, we shadowed, we made friends with people that were going to need letters of recommendation from, we did side projects. You know, whether we knew we liked it or not, um, whether that's research or volunteering or other things, um, we check, you know, through some of those experiences. And so I think part of it is the realization that we can do this. Um, we can have these conversations. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think um, for me, uh, just exposure uh, to a set of organizations where I was aligned from a value standpoint could make an impact, but also learn and build relationships. It's really important. Early in my career, that was American Medical Student Association, where um, was a community for me and literally um, saved me from uh, uh, kind of feeling isolated in medical school. I found my own community there that then really was a, a, a catalyst for all that came after um, because it was a group of people who really um, were change agents and, and saw a different future um, from, for physicians and, and healthcare. And so, uh, you know, and I continued that. Um, through the rest of my career, uh, I think my role as managing deputy commissioner uh, 
at the Chicago Department of Public Health was a result of uh, shadowing and doing some projects in Chicago, you know, when I was in fellowship. And so I think that uh, you got to you got to identify what's right for you. And that will take sort of experiences in time. Dr. Ingood, the APL excels, I think, in this area of helping physicians develop uh, networks and relationships. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how the APL does that. Yeah, sure. And thanks, Mike. Um, you know, well, I think Jay's comments were spot on, regardless if you're an introvert or an extrovert. You know, if you have this aptitude to want to engage in leadership and management um, at whatever level in, in your community or your institution, uh, stay true to yourself. And we are fortunate in this day and age that, um, you know, we, we can uh, channel our energies and our thoughts uh, to network uh, through a whole variety of mechanisms, whether it's live uh, meetings or whether it's through social media. And, you know, it's uh, therefore, I think, uh, a ripe period in, in the evolution of the industry for physicians who want to engage in leadership uh, in different ways to do it in a variety of different channels. So yeah, our organization, we do a number of face-to-face uh, -face meetings every year. And uh, some of the feedback we get from those is uh, some of the most valued uh, aspects of those live meetings is the opportunity to network and to be amongst a similar peer group and to not feel like you're isolated and to be able to recognize that, hey, others are dealing with similar issues as yourself and you can learn from one another in a spontaneous set of um, meetings. But we've also invested heavily in a technical platform uh, that really, really brings all of our programs, products, and services together under one umbrella on this technical platform. And so there's the learning management side of it, there's the online community side of it, but there's also a whole set of information resources. And then we're active in social media as well. And in fact, it's interesting, we've got uh, more members in our LinkedIn group uh, than we have actual members in the association these days, which is uh, intriguing all by itself. But what that tells me is that physicians are out there looking to connect with uh, like-minded peers and so, again, I'll, I'll say it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. You can find the avenues and the channels in which to connect with others. And it's being able to learn from those others that really helps move you along in your own choices and in your own um, experiences so that then you can begin to better create the impacts that any of us desire, whether it's on a personal level, whether it's at our institution or whether it's on a broader level. Uh, within the industry as a whole. So multiple channels, doesn't matter what type of personality you are, believe in what your voice inside is telling you. Follow that voice to leadership. Yep, that's spot that's on, Peter. Awesome. I, I, I would just say uh, Peter's comments are uh, spot on. And I, and I think that it's also this sense that sometimes people think it's an either or introvert or extrovert, but it's not. Like you can be an introvert sometimes and sometimes you will work uh, to be an extrovert uh, if you're a default an introvert. But it's then what are the things that will help you accomplish the goals, given your personality and, and one that might be one on one conversations, emails, you know, phone calls versus, you know, in larger group settings. So um, I think a lot of uh, different opportunities to forge ahead. But, uh, you know, um, just to, to cap on that a little bit further, Jay, um, and in this day and age still, the best way to get your next position is through networking. 
and, and you know, the search community folks will always tell you that, but 80% of your next jobs come through networking, not through looking at the classifieds. Good, good information. Now, let's, in, in this question, we'll start with, with Dr. Bott. Somewhere out there listening to our voices is a physician, and, and he or she is, is thinking about making a transition uh, to an executive uh, position. Can we talk mechanically nuts and bolts about what you believe would be helpful or what is involved in that type of a transition for the physician? So I would think that it's important, um, one, to spend some time reflecting on where your strengths are, where do you want to grow, and most importantly, what issues you want to impact and how. Uh, and some of that you may not know early on, but having a, a initial point of view uh, will be important um, and that preparation important as you talk to uh, various uh, individuals in the field, um, physicians, uh, operators, um, other C-suite leaders. So, so I also think it's important not just to only to talk to physicians in that transition process, but it's to talk to the whole interprofessional team. Uh, which is really important to get a sense of the dynamics and how you might need to work differently or work together uh, in a system level environment in a, in a transition to another kind of role. And I really learned lessons from my mentors and about building relationships and communicating and being transparent. You know, and, and so then once you um, start to have those conversations, you come back and uh, after a set of them reflect and see if your point of view has evolved and how it's evolved. Uh, and, then start thinking about, okay, well, what are the experiences I might need, whether it's a, a short um, shadowing experience or a project experience, you know, to help me learn more about the questions that may have surfaced about uh, you, as a physician, what you may want to do in your next uh, opportunity. And know that sometimes it takes a few opportunities to land the one that then um, you really excel at and makes sense for you. Um, so it's okay to, to uh, know that you're, you may not get it right. Um, that first time. And I think um, it's, it's important um, to know that uh, also believing in yourself. And I think about, you know, Ted Lasso and that uh, sign, uh, believe, I think that's also important. Believe we can make this transition, believe we have the skills and experiences to do it. Uh, and then, you know, have your support system uh, around you, whether it's family um, or, or family and friends and, you know, and others uh, that can help you through that process. Um, but I, it can be a scary thing. And for me, you know, I was fortunate that a lot of the inquiry and desire for systems changed happened because of community experiences and experiences with mentors and uh, physicians I saw um, think about healthcare differently uh, than we traditionally uh, maybe um, in the environment to do so uh, early in our careers. And so uh, I think, um, you know, individuals have really, over the course of my career, shaped my thinking and not just to not just physicians, but others as well. And certainly Peter's been uh, just an incredible partner and, and pushing you know me to think differently about healthcare and evolving my own leadership and management, uh, as well as um, others at uh, the Chicago Department of Public Health, the Illinois Hospital Association, American Hospital Association, and now in the Medical Home Network, which is an ACO and, and Deloitte, uh, all of those experiences um gave me unique and different insights and and so i'm just just grateful to to be in a role at Deloitte now uh where we're driving um you know system level impact where we're 
uh, producing research in, insights and eminence, uh, along with a future of health, future of sort of future of equitable health point of view that you know is really going to I think uh, impact uh, the industry and the field. Dr. Ann Good, same same question to you because I know that you've seen this many times through the AAPL. A mm -hmm. physician ready to to launch him or herself into the into the C-suite. What uh, what advice do you have, and and what should they expect in that transition? Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. Um, you know, all of us uh, enter into healthcare, whether you're a physician or a nurse or one of the other professions, uh, because we are uh, caring individuals, and we therefore carry a high level of altruism and idealism. And uh, it's not uncommon as a, an offshoot of that altruism to then, as you learn the system you're working in, to want to create larger system change. And so I, I think an early step for anybody is to recognize that you've got that awareness and that uh, then do you have the aptitude. Uh, not everybody's got the original aptitude to be a leader or to, to move into leadership roles. So as Jay was describing, yeah, you need to look for ways to partner up to get increasing experiences. Yes, we get the experiences in the clinical realm. But if uh, you really are becoming passionate about leadership and what you can do to create change, um, then look for the avenues in which you can gain more experience. And then it becomes a gradation of experience. And, you know, none of us ever get one experience that nails it. And so uh, that's why we all have different jobs over the course of time, right? And uh, each job creates a new growth opportunity and it increases your experience levels. Uh, some move through a trajectory faster than others, and that's perfectly fine. That's circumstances and to some degree luck at times. But regardless, anybody can move through a trajectory and set up a ladder of success and progression. Um, in this day and age, though, uh, what Jay didn't mention is oftentimes you need some extra education. Uh, you just don't get it in medical school or residency. Um, and so AAPL offers a whole range of uh, educational programs and career development initiatives. And there are other channels out there for people to get that as well. Um, many um, delivery systems and even uh, some of the non-clinical um, sectors in healthcare as an industry are looking for physicians who have the added experience, but to some degree, some added education. And that doesn't always necessarily mean a master's degree or a doctorate degree. There's other ways. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pull my plug for AAPL. We've got lots of great stuff, including that certified physician executive uh, credential. But it's often that combination of education and experience and then the, the mentorship and networking with others. So um, don't expect to get instant success because it is a progression. It is a trajectory. Um, but one thing that I think we have to pay attention to as well is that, and both Jay and I have mentioned it, we've had experiences with the systems inefficiencies and the failures and the flaws in as a part of all of the frustration in healthcare, especially in part as, a, as the pandemic has further showed. But there is anxiety, frustration, burnout, all those symptoms going on at high percentages in the healthcare workforce. And um, an initial reaction for many people is just to be angry and disgruntled. 
and then they want to pull the lever, right? Okay, I'm, I'm out of here. But if you can rechannel that in a productive way and then learn where and how to engage with the systems and then to begin creating the, the changes in the systems, that can often defuse some of that anger and some of that frustration. And that's where you can gain the experience, maybe gain a little bit more education. And to Jay's point earlier, you start to learn a different set of languages and perspectives on healthcare. And so again, that helps decrease some of that anger, that hostility, that disappointment that many people have in the system overall. So it's, it's learning new approaches and uh, yeah. there's a whole variety of ways to do it. Peter, that, uh, that was so well said. And I, I just wanted to pick up on this education piece, which is so important too, is that, you know, when I mentioned uh, reflection and having those conversations, it's through that reflection conversations, you might decide that further education is needed. And um, for me, in my own career, I've gotten uh, a public health training, as well as training in public administration, as well as physician leadership courses and, and other kind of fellowship experiences, all of those have helped me in different ways, but they've been so important to push my lens of thinking about challenges and opportunities and solutions. Um, and I would say that you got to find good mentors to help you navigate the space. And sometimes those aren't people always decades ahead in your career. Sometimes they're peers that are going through things differently. They're maybe in different industries, uh, and have, but having similar experiences. Um, so there's so much that translates behind beyond just the, the subject matter. When you get into leadership, it's really about um, relationships, communication, transparency, values and vision, um, uh, learning and, and, and adapting, and then you know, identifying metrics and goals that help drive um, kind of what your success trajectory is. Um, and so I think the other thing that's important is putting yourself in, in a, a position to, to speak and communicate and practice uh, that until you get comfortable because because that's going to be an important part of what you do in leadership and management. It, we're, we're wrapping up our time together, and I want to think that there is some young physician out there who has started his or her career uh, during the pandemic and is uh, preparing for a future leadership role. Can you speak directly uh, to him or her with your best suggestions for someone just getting started in their career that had to already cope with the pandemic? The pandemic uh, has certainly been a challenge, but I see challenges as an opportunity for positive transformation. Uh, and so recognizing you know, that the pandemic has also made um, the field more confident in innovation, more confident in different ways of approaching cha uh, challenges in the field have accelerated innovation and say, we can't wait any longer. And it's also accelerated the, the uh, impact of virtual, um, telemedicine, uh, digital. And one thing we haven't talked much about is also the opportunity uh, around being an entrepreneur and startups that have uh, emerged over the last 10 years. It, you know, healthcare has had significant investment uh, and it's just continuing to grow. So there are opportunities, if there's a particular issue that you are really passionate about and want to advance, um, it's important to also think about, you know, doing that uh, potentially from a lens of working with a startup or a mid-stage company. Um, but it's also, uh, I would say, think about, you know, what skills are needed at different stages of your career. And 
early on, it's, it's going from relational and clinical to adding business and strategic skills. Uh, and then I would say, you know, do the work, spend some time reflecting, getting out and meeting people uh, uh, as you can or talking to them um, uh, via a social LinkedIn online, but, but get exposure uh, and try some, some things out, have uh, some different experiences and listen certainly to all the uh, AAPL podcasts, which I think have been great uh, about this topic. And, uh, and as I go back to what Ted Lasso said, just believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, uh, your comments, Jay, bring to mind, uh, you know, it's that old Machiavellian uh, approach, never waste uh, a good crisis, right? And the pandemic has certainly been a global crisis of sorts. And uh, it's unmasked for the general public, as well as the policymakers, all of the deficiencies in our healthcare industry and the delivery systems. And so as young people enter the industry, um, sure, you got to learn the clinical aspects of all of this and how to care for patients and, um, you know, tap into your altruism of wanting to look after people, but come in with an open mind in that there are all of these deficiencies in the industry that need and are seeking solutions. So the next generation of uh, physicians and other <clears throat> interprofessionals in the industry have wonderful opportunity to capitalize on this uh, recent pandemic crisis and to bring in creative new ideas to solve um, some of the inefficiencies and the adequacies of the system. And let's not make any mistake here. Every industry has inadequacies and inefficiencies and all those sorts of things. We're not a bad, bad industry, but we've got some work to do. And we would welcome the younger folks coming in and helping with some creative, innovative, entrepreneurial ideas to help solve for those solutions. So thanks, Mike. Great question. Yeah. We'll let that be the last word. Uh, my guests on today's uh, podcast have been Dr. Jay Bott, who is the Managing Director at Deloitte and serves as the Executive Director of Deloitte Center for Health Solution and Deloitte Health Equality Institute. Uh, my other guest has been Dr. Peter Angood, who is the Chief Executive Officer and President of the American Association for Physician Leadership. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks Jay. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Peter. This has uh, just been a fantastic conversation and, and grateful for it. My deep thanks to Dr. Jay Bott and Dr. Peter Angood. Their insightful discussion of physician leadership is timely. My thanks also to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making this podcast possible. Please join me next time on Sound Practice. We release a new episode every other Wednesday. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Had his holy cow, but man Robin 
with Uncle Pow.